Well, hello and welcome. This is Story You Talk Radio, and I am your host, Coach Debbie. We're here in the Seattle area offering you a live show on KKNW every Thursday, 4 o'clock p.m. If you're on the East Coast, you are getting the show at 7 p.m. And if you're in London, we air at midnight, a little bit late for y'all. But we do offer a replay on Fridays, 6 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Eastern Time. And I think that would be something like 2 in the afternoon in London. I am always delighted to spend this hour with you. We talk about the stories you live by, but we talk about also the stories you are writing. Whether you write a book, a blog, a podcast, a TED Talk, a love letter, whatever it is you might be writing, I just might have a signature program to help you do that. I typically take on people that are doing some sort of project, like a book or a blog or a podcast, and we take 90 days to really get involved in it, and I offer that to you by way of a community and also with some one-on-one coaching. If that in any way sounds interesting, you can learn more by calling me here and asking about it. Or you can go to my website, which is www.coachdebbie.com, coachdebbie.com, and that's D-E-B-B-Y. I also take uh, callers here at the radio show. Like I said, we're live on Thursdays, and I send out a, a newsletter where a lot of people will reply, and that helps me know the topics you would like for this show and future shows. Today we're going to talk about memoir writing. So if you're by the phone and you're thinking, wow, I need to know more about that or I need to talk to Coach Debbie about that, I want to encourage you to call in. And the man with all the phone numbers right at his fingertips and probably better better scrolled into his memory than they are in mine is our sound engineer, Eric Ryder. How are you, Eric? Uh, I was going to say, you know, as long as I, I've been doing this, uh, I should have it memorized <laughs> by now. <laughs> I shouldn't have to reach for the sign, but, you know, occasionally— <laughs> I still no do, but uh, yeah, we'd love to hear from folks, and you can call in. We've got lines open at 425-373-5527. Again, 425-373-5527, or toll-free, 888-298-KKNW. That's 888-298-5569. And Debbie, I understand you're talking about memoirs today, but... I assume you'll allow questions on any kind of writing, really. Let's do that. Okay, awesome. I like that idea. Let's do that. Anything at all to do with with writing, you know what? We can just open it up. If you need coaching, call in. Hey, <laughs> Let's yeah. just open it up. Cast a wide sure. net. Why not? Yeah, great idea, Eric. I love it. We're taking your calls. I'm taking your emails. I've got my screen open to my Gmail here, which is AskCoachDebbie. Again, that's D-E-B-B-Y, AskCoachDebbie at gmail.com. And let's just dive right in. I, I am always surprised when someone asks me, do memoirs really sell? Do memoirs sell? Do they make any money? I mean, maybe somebody put an article out there one day and the whole world read it and it said memoirs don't sell. But it seems to be a question that comes to my inbox quite a bit. And I love teaching memoir writing, something I really, truly enjoy. I even 
relocated to the West Seattle area, got a nice little place on the water where five years ago I started opening up the doors and welcoming people to the sunny patio where we study memoir. And when we leave these funny and interesting times, I'm going to do exactly that again. In the meanwhile, I have offerings online and I really, really get excited when I go to my inbox and someone says, do you still teach memoir writing? And do you think mine could sell? And could you help me? I love it. Gets me all fired up. So we're going to talk about that today because memoir is something that many people confuse for autobiography. So let's just break that down for a second. Auto, auto meaning self, and biography really standing for your entire lifespan. So writing your own story on your entire lifespan, that is not the same as memoir. Autobiography sells very well too, but memoir is actually, it's a word we borrow from the French. They say it so beautifully. They say memoir, you know, memoir. And it, it comes from, I'm sure you're not surprised, the notion of your memory. But what's so beautiful about memoir writing is that you're not necessarily, you're not necessarily writing your memoir right immediately after the memory occurred. So let's say you're into travel writing and you're you're writing about an experience that happened two hours ago. Yeah, that's that's often not memoir writing because when you're working with memoir, you're looking back at your memories and you're doing it with a little more insight and a little more clarity so you can point to the significance for your reader. You're really laying out the incident that may have occurred. You're being very descriptive about it, but you're, you're also helping them understand that this thing like travel that many of us have done had a particular particular significant effect on you. And you probably know that it sometimes takes a little bit more time than just the next hour or two for that significance to come to you. In many cases, it'll take years. So memoirists, memoir writers, they are writing books they're writing blogs, they're writing their TED Talks, some of them are compiling content for their podcast, they're going back into their memory and they're explaining the significance of a very particular time and incident that something happened and it's usually about a theme. So, for example, if you're in the Seattle area, you might be very familiar with Rick Steves. He is up north in Edmonds, and he offers a national show. And, and actually, I believe, thanks to public broadcasting, it long since became international, where he takes people around the world on his journeys, and he he shows them how to travel for a lot less money than you might think you need if you were just relying on the average tour guide. And what I love is he brings in a little element of memoir. So let's say, and, and now these, these tidbits I'm going to give you are completely made up, but let's just say that he went to France in 2000 and 
Spain in 2001 and Italy in 2002. And let's say in 2004, he was noticing that France, Italy, and Spain had a very, very interesting culinary vibe that he wanted to remember and collect and offer to his readers. That's memoir. There's something significant in those stories that he's remembering that he's going to bring out. And maybe it started in 2000 when he went to France. Again, these aren't true facts. I'm just making up an example here. But I want you to see that with time, we look back on our situations, on our incidents, and we're able to be very colorful in how we speak about them. We're able to be candid in ways that maybe we didn't have as much insight when it was actually happening in real time. And that's memoir. In the case of someone like Rick Steves, he's not sharing with us in every single episode that he does, every single place he's ever traveled to, every single significant event he's ever experienced or his whole life story. But I can tell you that in most of his segments, he's bringing in stories about the people that he met or he's bringing in stories about his family, or he's bringing in stories around surprises that he couldn't have planned while he was traveling in a particular country. So I use that example to just start to introduce you to the idea that memoir is specific, and our autobiographies they're more general. They're a big, clean sweep on what we gleaned from our life, whereas memoir really takes us to particular places, to particular topics, things we experienced with particular people, and it brings out a significant message. Some of my favorite topics around memoir indulge in like family life or travel. Most of us love memoir that capture a glimpse, if not an entire book worthy segment of love life. Some of us love to know the memoirs of success and failures of business people. I've learned so much reading memoirs that focused on health or even recovery aspects in home life. My mother, I know, really has gleaned a lot from memoirs that were based in the lives of politicians. And even just even just day-to-day adventure of any kind. Whether, whether the adventure had to do with our hobbies or how we get around or how we live a healthy life, anything we'd call adventure can fall under the heading of memoir. Are you seeing how expansive it can be? I find it to be so much fun. So I, I hope this intrigues you and that if you have a question, you might consider writing in or calling in today. The number again is 1-888-298-5569. If you're thinking about memoir or writing or you just want some general coaching, I would be happy to take your call. I do see Cindy has written in. We're going to take a break in a minute, Cindy, but when we come back, I'm going to address your question first. And I want to share with you, uh, just before the break here, just something I want you to think about. 
a lot of people, when they tell me they think they have a topic for memoir, but they're really not sure, they follow this typical myth. Honestly, I'd forgotten about this. And then I read about it in an article shared by Mary Carr. If you don't know Mary Carr, one of her great memoirs is called Lit, L-I-T, Lit. Another one is The Liars Club. She's a fabulous writer of memoir as well as a teacher of memoir. But here's a quote from Mary Carr. She says, whenever she says, whenever someone has had the worst life, writers who look up to them believe they will be the best memoirists. Whenever writers have had the worst life, writers who look up to them believe they will be the best memoirists. And then she goes on to say, this isn't necessarily true at all. You don't have to have a gory, difficult, painful experience to write great memoir. And if you did, she goes on to share, most everyone that was a victim of genocide or people from the Holocaust, they would all have a book to offer us. When, in fact, there are many, many, many people that have undergone horrific experiences, that have no, uh, no ambition to write at all. And, and there are some of them that have written and found that their writing fell quite flat because they weren't really sure how to bring their reader to their experience. They weren't really sure how to share what happened. They were scared by that in many, many situations. So that is a myth, the idea that you have to go through something really, truly, absolutely horrific in order to be great at memoir. You might be more like Bill Bryson, who has fun, exciting, thrilling adventures in travel and will make you laugh through his, his books. You might be more like that. And if you are, I, I encourage you to get to your computer or pick up your pen because you probably have a great memoir inside of you. Let's go to our first break when we come back. We're going to talk more about writing. Stay tuned. Hi, this is Lisa Downs, host of Reigniting You, the show that takes a positive, forward-looking approach to mid-to-late career transitions for Gen Xers and Boomers every Wednesday afternoon at 3 o'clock Pacific. Whether you're looking to stay in the traditional workforce, do your own thing, or retire or semi-retire, Reigniting You is your source for career transition advice, inspiration, and insight for what's next in your career and life. Join me Wednesdays at 3 o'clock to get re-energized, recharged, and reignited. Self help, healing, spirituality, and more on Alternative Talk, 1150. And welcome back to Story You Talk Radio. I'm delighted you're here with me today. I'm talking to you about memoir writing. I am Coach Debbie, and I'm based here in Seattle, Washington, where I offer writing courses for people that are doing books and podcasts and blogs and TED Talks. We break your project down into about a 90-day time frame where we really commit to about 30 minutes a day. For some people, it turns out to be more like 90 minutes each weekend, but you know, we go for about 30 minutes a day where we are making that very first draft. And from there, you can go on and publish what you've got. You can apply to to the TED Talk areas 
all over the globe. You can create your brand new podcast just like Michael is doing. I can't wait to tell you all about Michael's podcast. He is very, very close to the cooking world and soon this is going to go live for him. It's really exciting. I also want to encourage you to be like one of my students, Nancy. Nancy is creating her first blog, and her goal is to have 26 posts. So basically, that's one every other week. It will be theme-based, but it's memoir. In her blog, what she's doing is she's taking little tidbits from growing up on the farm, growing up close to nature, really being in that that farm-to-fork culture, and bringing home lots of recipes and ways of honoring your kitchen, ways of passing down tradition to your family. And she decided, no, she didn't really want to do a full-length book. She wanted to write little segments, like blog posts, and put them out to her readers on the time frame of every other week. Memoir is a great way to express your your memories around things where you have an expertise and to pull in things that are current and to blend in things that are traditional to your own life. Same thing with TED Talks. You go and you feel this passion for offering a TED Talk, and yet if you're not sharing something about yourself, it might be pretty hard to feed that time frame that they want you to speak in. Memoir is going to save you. Memoir is going to be that thing where you go back You look at the topic from your life, the incident from your life, you glean what you learned, and you bring out the significance in your talk. So that being said, Cindy, I'm going to come right to you. Thank you for writing in today. I'm just going to work on blowing up my font while I tell you this quick little thing. I've... I've been getting coached by Robert Holden, who is a wonderful memoir writer. He is also one of the absolute best writers of self-development, especially on the topic of knowing your own heart. And those are just my words that I'm putting to it. He is the founder of Success Intelligence. And one of the reasons that I wanted one-on-one coaching from him is that I so appreciate his relationship with his own heart and how he expresses it in short little tidbits through his books, through his newsletters, through his blog posts, and for years When he was a host on Hay House Radio, many of us are still mourning that Hay House Radio is not available for those of us so enthused around self-development, but he offered a program called Shift Happens, and years ago, I just knew I wanted to study with him. Part of that is because of how he treats memoir when he puts out his newsletters and his books and his blog posts. And back when he was doing a radio show, he treats memoir like a very significant paragraph or two that must be inserted at the most critical time to let you know that whatever topic he's sharing is something that he experienced firsthand. He really builds that trust factor. And I just want to give a shout out to him today. It's 
It's well after midnight in London right now, but I happen to know that he started a brand new book today. It was on his calendar. It's something he's been thinking about for several months. I'm sure he's been writing out notes, but there's there's something about knowing that your community loves you <laughs> on the day that you start something. So I just want to say, dear Robert Holden, I love what you do in the world, and I'm, I'm so happy to know you, and I'm so happy to be able to share what I know about you as one that has a, a real relationship with yourself, not a phony one, but a real one, and that you express it in the form of memoir. So thank you for all that you do. Let's turn our attention to Cindy. Cindy reached out recently and said she is thinking about one of my programs, but she really wanted to talk about this particular question. Cindy, thank you for writing in and allowing me to share this. She says, now that you know that I have been a cook for a long time and that I came from a very shaky background, can you help me discern what will go in this memoir and is there anything that won't? When I think about my life story, I can almost taste the wonderful holiday meals that were prepared by my grandparents. As a couple, they went into the kitchen together and they almost put on a performance for me, my aunts, my uncles, my little brothers and sisters. They spoke in Italian often when they didn't want us to know what was happening and then they would instantly switch to English and smile when they were speaking to us. I knew that there was a story they shared between each other but I also knew that they were very positive people and always wanting to bring the best of their talents to the holiday table as well as their love to all of us. How much of this do I share? Will it just sound ooey to <laughs> will it just sound ooey or gooey to my readers? Will they take me seriously? Will they know that I went on to be a professional? Or will they just think I am so sentimental? I get lost when I think about this. Okay, I'm going to stop right there, Cindy. It was a beautiful letter she sent to me. This is just a portion of it. And I, I really appreciate this last part I shared with you, where she says, I get lost. Do you ever feel that way? Do you ever feel that way when you go into your own personal reflections? That's you. That's you starting to think about your memoir. Do you ever feel a little bit lost? In other words, do you ever feel like you're that person that's really sentimental? And you're that person that can remember so much about your childhood or a very particular time in your life that, you know, what you have to say spins into so many words, so much experience that you don't even know what to put on paper. I just want to tell you that is a very, very common experience. It's just as common as the person who shares with me that they've lived a very full life but they don't understand why they have nothing to say and why they can't put anything on paper. See, those, those two extremes, I have so much to say I'm lost, or I'm lost because I can't remember anything to say, I don't know what to write down. Those two extremes, they always signal to me that the writer is really passionate about their memoir and their stories and their travels, but they're also, they're, they're caught up also with another thought. So it, it might be the thought of, 
if I write all this, I'll overwhelm my reader. Or if I write all this, I'll just come off looking so sentimental and not professional. Or maybe, maybe they're in the other camp where they can't think of anything to say. And so the idea is, I, I thought my memoir was really significant, but maybe, maybe it's just general. Maybe it just blends in with what everyone else has done. Because when I go to sit down to write about it, I just find I don't have anything to say. Really, what's playing in the background is the fear that it's not fresh, that it's not new, that it could be too personal, that people won't relate to it, all those ideas. And I'm just going to shed a, a little light on that because none of this is really true. It just feels like it's true. When you decide that, for example, what Cindy has shared with us here, that those memories that took place over the holiday, those memories around food, hearing your grandparents speak in Italian to each other, and maybe they got a little gruff, but then they turned to you and they smiled and they switched instantly back to English and, you know, they stroked your hair and patted you on the head and sent you back to the big dining room table. <laughs> when you're thinking that those experiences don't matter, there's, there's another monologue playing in your head. And what I want you to do is stick with the experience of, in, in Cindy's case, the grandparents, the experience of the food, the experience of hearing Italian, all of that makes you very, very available to your writing. It helps you fall in love again with this story that you have to share. Cindy, what I want to tell you is that in my program, I... I begin by helping people understand three concepts. I want to try and sneak in all three before we take our next break here. So concept number one, first step in being good at memoir is to know it's your job as a writer to paint the picture of the context. Now you did that for me here. You said it was grandparents, it was in the, the kitchen, it was over holidays, they spoke in Italian. That is setting up the context of your memoir. And it's very important that we do it. You might feel like you have to go on for 10 pages, but actually just what you shared here, and I bet even our listeners would say they were able to follow you. So if that's all you want to do as you set up a scene, often it's enough. The context, who was there, where were you, what was the event? Give us a little bit so we can see you there. And that will help you move into a particular incident. Maybe there was one particular Thanksgiving or one particular New Year's, one particular holiday, let's say, where something happened. Oh, what would it be? Sometimes it's something really juicy, you know, like uh, Aunt Mabel drank a little too much and she fell over the kitchen island right into the pumpkin pie. I don't know. I'm just making it up. But it, there's there's an incident that many of us want to bring out. Could be something silly like that. It could be something romantic, like we couldn't understand what grandma and grandpa were saying to each other in Italian, but it it looked so loving. And in the middle of it all, 
was kissing. And you take us into that incident. And finally, you do it. You share that incident because, and if we were in class, we would go into this much deeper, but just just painting it out for you. The third element is you're taking us into that incident because something significant, something significant arose when you looked back at your memory and you thought about it and you sort of juxtaposed it with other memories. And maybe, I'm just going to make something up again. Maybe it was that you and your siblings, um, maybe it was that you and your siblings don't have to know Italian to be able to appreciate that sweet kiss between grandma and grandpa right after they were fighting and food fighting in Italian. Uh, You don't have to know what they're saying because you know that the kiss was how they made up. You've seen your parents do it in English, and now you saw your grandparents do it in Italian. Something like that. That significance brings the final closure to memoir writing. And again, we can do it in a blog post. We can do it in a few paragraphs. We don't have to commit to an entire book. Memoir is something we all relate to, all of us. Cindy, I hope that serves you. And because you are so brave to write in, I do want to add on a gift to you. I offer a couple of private coaching sessions when people sign up for my program. If you decide you want to sign up for my program, I would like to offer you an extra one. Each is 90 minutes, so there's a lot we could get done. Thank you, Cindy, for writing in today. We are at the point where we need to take one final uh, break. But when we come back, more about memoir writing. Stay tuned. Hi, this is Marilyn Milano. If you love animals, then please check out my new show, Love Has Many Faces, Tuesdays from 9 to 9.30 a.m. right here on Alternative Talk 1150. I'll be talking with rescue groups, animal advocates, and other organizations that help animals, sharing their stories, and giving our listeners some tangible ways in which they can help make a difference. That's Love Has Many Faces, Tuesdays at 9 a.m. right here on Alternative Talk 1150. Raising awareness, touching hearts, and saving animals' lives. Hi, I'm Dr. Mike Lenore with your health tip of the day from the African American Wellness Project. While coronavirus infections could go down over the next few months, we're still headed into flu season. Millions of Americans will be affected by the flu. But the good news is that we do have a safe and effective vaccine. But sadly, too many people go unvaccinated, especially African Americans. For more about flu vaccine, talk to your doctor or visit aawellnessproject.org. The Spud Goodman Show, Sundays at 4, here on Alternative Talk 1150. Here comes the Spud Man, it goes down easy. Here comes the Spud Man. Greetings, welcome, and let me reassure you, if you just accidentally, you know, landed on our show, it will cause no long-term genetic damage to you and your future family tree. Don't miss the Spud Goodman Show every Sunday at 4 o'clock here on Alternative Talk 1150. For music, comedy, and more. Get your daily dose of variety. Alternative Talk 1150. And welcome back to this edition of Story You Talk Radio, where we're focusing on memoir writing. Because people ask me all the time, do memoirs sell? What is that? And honestly, I am more in love with memoir writing than I am with just about any type of writing out there. I want to I want to introduce you to some of my favorite memoir writers because you might be thinking does memoir does it even really sell 
And who are the greats? I think I was 12 years old when I was first introduced to my love for memoir. And it was with Judy Bloom. Now, she was a fictional writer and she often wrote for girls coming of age. But in an interview much, much later in my life, probably when I was about 35, 40 years old, I heard Judy Bloom say that she did a lot of reflection on the things that were painful in her own development to help her create her characters. So while she was writing fiction, she was leaning into this skill of memoir, of reconstructing her memory and seeing how she might create context, create fictional incidents, and bring out the significance so that girls like me, who were 12, 13, 14, 15, going through pimpled face times, trying to relate to my father while I was changing and angry and upset. She, she was offering this real gift of remembering her own growing years and applying that to her fictional characters. So in a way, we could say she wasn't a purist memoir writer, but she was using memoir as skill to create fiction. Other people that really are great at memoir are people like Tobias Wolff, and that's Wolff with two Fs. Did you ever read his memoir, A Boy's Life? Really, really good. Did you read any Mary Carr, K-A-R-R, who I brought up in the beginning of the show? She also wrote a guide, The Art of Memoir, and she taught it for, she probably still teaches it. She's probably going into her 35th, 40th year teaching memoir. She's one of the best. I want to honor someone local here that that is really good at teaching memoir writing. She does it at the University of Washington in a certificate program as well as at least at one time out of her own home. And that is Theo Nestor. And she wrote two memoirs as of lately and really, really inspired me to get gutsy and share things that I think might be a little too personal, but they're, they actually are the stories we live by. So, for example, she wrote about how to sleep alone in a king-size bed. And I think several of those words are the title of one of her memoirs. And, you know, that really catches one's attention. It really sets the stage, the context that that king-size bed has been housing a couple in a way. And now, uh uh-oh, why is there only one? She did a glorious job of sharing intimate details, but really leaning, leaning deeply into the skill of memoir by sharing the significance. Another person that wrote an incredible memoir, oh, this might be 20 years ago now, was Frank McCourt. And that was called Angela's Ashes. Really, really moving about poverty and religion and growing up in, I believe, Irish Northern America, Northern, (laughs) Northern UK and, and just the, the pains between he and his relationship with his mother. People that you might not think of as memoir writers, but as soon as I say their name, you're going to know they are, is Anne Frank. Uh, 
You know, she wrote the diary of Anne Frank. She was known for being one of the most prolific speakers of what it meant to be housed during the time of the Holocaust. We also have memoir from Helen Keller. And might I add, because many people remember that she was blind or many people remember that she was deaf. She was blind and deaf. And she created a memoir. And imagine what it is like to find a way to relate to your reader when your life, much of it, most of it, has been spent without two of the most keen senses that we tend to rely on. What about going into food? You know I love food, so there's no way I can leave these two out. And they had a profound effect on me as a writer because I didn't think of them as first and foremost writers. I thought of them as chefs. One is Ruth Reichel. She was the editor of Gourmet Magazine. Uh, Oh, geez. How many years? I should look these things up before I claim to remember them. I can't remember how long. Brilliant writer. And and put together all these short stories. The, The first one, the first collection of short stories I read by her was called Tender at the Bone. And... I don't think it was her first memoir, but it was this collection of stories that she remembered from growing up with her mom, (laughs) especially, and they're hilarious. And it's New York. It's got the New York humor. If you have not read Ruth Reichel's memoirs, you must, especially if you love food. And And let's bow down to Anthony Bourdain because Kitchen Confidential, that book, Kitchen Confidential, is one of the greatest memoirs. And yet, so often, it's not even categorized as that. But it is full of the three principles I just laid out for you, which is setting up the context really going into incidents that inspired him and bringing about why it was so significant. Those are three elements of memoir writing that you cannot leave out. Your readers absolutely depend on you to bring it out. Now, you know, I love self-development and I don't know if I shared it in this in this program, but I just want to share it again that my favorite my favorite self-development writer is Robert Holden. And I say that shamelessly. Um, and right up there with he being my favorite on par is Louise Hay and Michael Neal and Ellen Cohen. And when I say favorite, I just mean that I have reached for Robert Holden's books day after day after day. I have reread and reread and reread passages. He he has inspired me and I've had the the pleasure to work with him one-on-one because in his work he'll just drop these wonderfully humorous and sometimes wonderfully poignant pieces from his own memories right in the lesson of self-development. It's beautifully done. Today he is starting his his next book. He has many books out there and we just all want to to kind of curtsy to him and and say, wow, thank you and keep writing. His next book is going to be on purpose. 
As we close out today's show, I want to share with you an excerpt from one of the very best memoirs that did what so many people wish they could do. And that is, it shines a light on some of the hardest topics for us to understand and to speak about. And this is Maya Angelou's I Know Why the Cage Bird Sings. Here's just a quick excerpt from that book. She's talking about her mother making a dress for her in the shade of lavender. And she says... As I watched Mama put ruffles on the hem and cute little tucks around the waist, I knew that once I put on this dress, I'd like it like a movie star. It was silk, and that made it to, and that made up for the awful color of lavender. I was going to look like one of the sweet little white girls who were everybody's dream of what was right in the world, hanging softly over the black Singer sewing machine. It looked like magic. And when people saw me, if they were going to run up to me, they would say, Marguerite. Sometimes it was dear Marguerite, but they would say, forgive us, please. We didn't know who you were. And I would answer generously, no, you couldn't have known, of course, and I forgive you. This is one of the first books that brilliantly shined a light on the fact that not only do many of us not know how to step into the conversation, but that we were hungry to and we needed someone to lead. And she did it by writing memoir. She did an excellent job. Where she couldn't say black race, she said black singer sewing machine. There's so much brilliance in that book. And there is so much brilliance in your own memoir writing. If this is on your mind, if this is something you want to explore more, please look me up at www coachdebbie.com that's spelled D-E-B-B-Y I look forward to hearing from you and I will be back next Thursday with more until then namaste my friends